Okay. This is Unfiltered Vitamin C, brought to you by Zaid with special guest. Chris Baez. Chris. Chris is a personal trainer, fitness enthusiast, former vet. Yes, sir. As yes, well yes, as devout Christian. Yes, absolutely. So that's one of my first questions. How important is faith in your life? And how important do you think it's important to bring faith back in the average American life? Uh, that's a great question. So faith is a huge part of my life um, for many good reasons. Uh, when I was a soldier, I always tell people that I wasn't the greatest soldier because I wasn't a believer then. Okay. Um, I wasn't really poured out into what I was doing. I kind of did whatever I could just to skirt by. <laughs> and as I became a believer, I really embodied what it is to follow Christ as my Lord and Savior. And Colossians 3.23 tells us to work for man as unto the Lord. So if I'm working for God in that capacity, whatever I do for anybody else would be as if I'm working for God. Oh, would be as if I'm working for God too. So if if I was a Christian as a soldier, I could only imagine I would have been 10 times better as a soldier. And it really bleeds over into the rest of my life. The way I carry myself with my wife, my daughter, right. my business, all of those things. Um, so it's it's vital, you know, and I'm, I'm so grateful for it. Did you grow up with religious parents? I did not. Okay. Did not, which is pretty crazy. Um, so... When I grew up, I grew up in a household where they, you could call it the, uh, I forgot what the term is, but uh, the Easter and Christmas uh, Catholics. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like the only time you show up at church is for Easter or Christmas. Got you. So nobody it. was going to church every Sunday? No. Okay. You know, um, after, well, up until I was about 10, maybe uh, I had my uncle who would bring me to catechism. Mm-hmm. And uh, after about 10 years old, uh, that just stopped happening. I think it was just lack of interest from all parties, my uncle and me and my siblings. Um, so other than that, I grew up in a very secular house. Okay. Yeah. And where did you grow up? I grew up in New Haven, Connecticut. Okay. That's where you were born and raised? Yes, sir. And then how long have you been in Florida? I've been in Florida since 2010. So okay. going on 12 years now. Yeah. I got stationed down at McDill gotcha. in 2010. I got here in November of 2010, and I've been here ever since. Okay. Now, I have noticed I've always had a lot of Puerto Rican friends that go into the military, that they like serving in the military. Was that a family thing, or how did that decision come about? Um, so it, it wasn't a family thing. The funny thing is, uh, when I decided to join the military, my father actually broke down once. Um, he had a couple of drinks and he broke down and he asked me if he was a bad father and if well, that why you was wanted the to reason go, yeah. why I was joining the military. Okay. Which is pretty crazy. I was like, no, it's the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> You're a good dad. That's the reason I'm joining the military. Um, but you'll, yeah, like you said, you'll notice a lot of Puerto Ricans join the military. Mm -hmm. um, there's a really high recruitment of Puerto Ricans and there's even programs to help them um, you know, gain rank or whatever to, to get out of situations in Puerto Rico. So that's okay. probably why you noticed that. Right. Now, from my understanding, in Puerto Rico, they can't vote for the president. No, no. But yet a lot of them serve for the military and the commander in chief is the president. Yep. How do you feel about that? Or how do you think that will change in the future? Uh, it's been kind of stagnant for a long time. So I don't know if it will change. 
there's been votes put out there to make Puerto Rico the 51st state. Mm -hmm. And for some reason or another, it's not come to pass, whether the people on the island vote against it or whether, you know, politics have stood in the way of that. Um, right. For America's sake, I think they would rather keep Puerto Rico as just a commonwealth or, mm -hmm. or just a territory. Um, Puerto Ricans would benefit from being the 51st state. Especially but, with so many serving in the military. Right. It makes sense. There's actually more Puerto Ricans in America, in the U.S., than there are in Puerto Rico. Wow. So more in like the, the mainland than, than there is on the island. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Wow. So that that's really interesting. And it would benefit from being a 51st state. But right. I think uh, they're just... There's a lot of corruption there. Okay. And I think they just are set with the status quo. They want to keep that. Got you. Do, is, is it a place you would ever live in? No, nah, I don't see myself living there. For okay. Do you see going to visit this, this May, but. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So you see yourself staying in Florida long-term? Um, I see myself staying in Florida for this season. So my wife and I actually feel a call to missions, the mission field. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we feel like you know, God's going to lead us out into the mission field, wherever that is. Uh, but for this season, for the next probably three, four, five years, we will be here. But after that, I feel like God's going to guide us somewhere else. Send you somewhere else. Where do you think, or where would you most like to be able to serve a mission trip? Um, to serve like a long-term or just mission trip? Just out of curiosity, like if there's a place you've always wanted to go and you're like, oh, well, might as well when I'm there do a mission trip. Mm. Um, Unless you only have long-term aspirations. I do have long-term aspirations, but uh, I wouldn't mind doing missions uh, like in the Philippines. My wife's Filipino. Right. Okay. So I haven't been to the Philippines. So doing missions out in the Philippines and from her experiences where she's told me about missions that she's mm -hmm. done out in the Philippines, um, it, it seems like it would be, you know, a really cool place. She has a lot of experiences because she did... Uh, while she was in medical school for 10 years in the Philippines, she also did missions where she was self-funded. She worked with Doctors okay. Without Borders. She worked with the indigenous tribes. Right. So it'd be really cool to experience that. Right. I think that's a very underrated aspect. When we talk about faith, for example, most of what we do is for selfish reasons. Like even my dad, when he would give me money, it's like, okay, we're going to feed this family. Or we're going to donate here or something like that. It makes you feel good at the end of the day. Right. Like you feel like a better person for doing it. And so in terms of like faith, where you were talking about being a better soldier, being a better father, uh, being uh, a better husband, how you carry that faith in multiple aspects. I feel like what's not discussed enough is that you could carry that faith. And because of that faith, take you to somewhere across the world mm -hmm. where you're able to meet other people as well as you know, leave, leave, leave a legacy. You're able to help somebody build homes or teach in schools or something right. like that. I'm not exactly sure what these mission trips usually entail, but I'm usually assuming it's something where you're building something or teaching something, right? That happens often. Um, and historically on missions, everywhere that missionaries have gone and they've set foot, they've made it a better place. Mm -hmm. In certain countries, they've developed entire alphabets for the people there and taught them you know, alphabets that they've created. They've brought in hospitals. They've brought in, you know, all of these things that we have here in the West that they don't have in third world countries. Right. So, you know, it, it's a big part of it is to change the cult, the, not just the culture of where you're at, but to change um, what the people are going through physically 
as well as tending to their spiritual needs. You know, um, actually tomorrow I'm leaving for a mission trip and going to a rehab center. Okay. So, you know, yes, I'm going to be ministering to the guys that are going through drug and alcohol rehabilitation, hmm. but we're also building beds. We're building some walls, um, in the rehab facilities for, um, you know, giving them some rooms. We're putting up a roof. So like all of these things are happening. How do these mission trips usually get funded though? Is it usually just the, the church community donates money, then they take those donations and then they decide to fund it for the mission trip? Yeah, that's generally how it happens. Like at my church personally, our pastor has a heart for missions. Okay. So his heart for missions is, um, he has a vision that half the church, 50% of the church will go out on a mission. Okay. Which is a, a really large number. Yeah. Most churches, there's not a lot of people actually committed to missions like that, but he wants to see half the church go out on missions. So we've partnered with this rehab center that's in the panhandle. And I think we've been out there three times so far. This will be the fourth trip that our church makes out there since September. There's another one planned in April. So he's got several trips planned to try and get as many people to experience what it's like to be on a mission. Because like you like said, that. you know, you experienced it when you help out someone else, mm -hmm. how it makes you feel. And really you, you're the one that gets blessed when you're going out there to be a blessing. Right. So he wants everybody to experience that. I got you. That is something underrated. And because even if you, even if someone isn't religious, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times because of religion, because of God, because of the gratitude you share for the blessing that you receive and you want to share more blessing with other people, it forces you to go out and do things like mission trips. Because a lot of times people will argue that like, oh, you know, religion is the cause of so much problems and violence and whatnot. But I've always seen it like a tool. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you can use a knife to cut a steak, cut some fruits or cut someone's throat. Like it's, at yeah. the end of the day, any powerful tool, you know, money is a tool. Religion is a tool. If you want to do good with it, you can. You can do great good with it. And if right. you want to do evil or whatnot and, and, and use it for something else, you can absolutely do that, too. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about it is, is. As, as a Christian, I don't view it as religion. Religion is a set of rules that are within a box that you got to follow. Mm -hmm. As a Christian, my belief is in a relationship that I have with God. So I know God through his word. I know him through prayer. I know him through uh, just those intimate times that I've had with him where he's shown himself to me, where he's helped me when I was at my lowest, where he's brought me through, you know, really desperate times. And he's been so good to me and shown me his heart for me that I have a relationship with Jesus and I have a relationship with God. And it's in that relationship and that love for him that I want to go out there and I want to love others. Right. Like he loves others. Right. So it's not set on like, hey, this religion says to do this or that, but it's because I love Jesus so much. And he says, go out there and love your neighbor like yourself. Mm. And he's my Lord and Savior. Who am I to defy the guy that I say is my Lord and Savior? Right. It's, it's great that you mentioned the conversation component because I've always seen certain religions, possibly like different languages. Mm -hmm. Like if you say, and you know, if you say in French that you're hungry and I say in Chinese that I'm hungry, it might sound different, but our stomachs are both brown. 
Like right. we're still trying to find a way to communicate the same feelings and emotions. So I feel like we as humans, uh, I don't know if you know that, but I, I studied history in undergrad. Yeah. So when I was studying like ancient civilizations or whatnot, I'm like, man, all these people, right? If you go back in ancient China or ancient Persia or whatnot, if somebody died, those people are still going to sit there and think, I wonder where this person goes. I wonder if there's a soul, is there a spirit, is there a God, is there a heaven? Is there... Like, people are going to ask themselves questions, you know what I mean? And they're going to find a way to have those questions answered. And that's where you get the, the rules, the religions, the whatnot, the, the organized structure of things in a way. Right. But I feel like now we have secular societies that give us those structure, give us those rules and those laws. And we forgot that that's not what it was serving. It was serving a relationship like you were just saying. Right. Yeah. Because you'll get people like, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Yeah. It's like, you, it's like it kind of it kind of goes together a little bit. You do need a bit of that structure, right? Where is it coming from? Like, why, why is it important to have this relationship with God? Because of one, two, and three. And what's interesting to me is that some things are unethical, but they're still legal. Right. Like, you can do certain things. And it's like, oh, you're not breaking any laws. But it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do either. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the Bible even speaks on that. It's like, all things may be legal and permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Okay. You know, so there are things that may be legal and that, you know, it may not, according Technically to man, not breaking rules. Yeah. According to man, there's no issue with it, but is it good for you? Right. No. I mean, I think we can look at any, any set of situations and, and see that smoking may be legal, mm-hmm. but is it good for you? Right. <laughs> You know, and you're talking to cigar smoker too. I love smoking. And it's smoking anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it's interesting because like a lot of Muslims, Mm. they won't drink alcohol or, but they'll sell it. Mm. But the religion says you can't touch it, you can't sell it, and you can't drink it. Right. So because they don't drink it, they feel like, oh, but I'm not drinking. Drinking is the worst thing. It's okay for me to sell it because I'm making money and I'm supporting my family. So we all find loopholes when it's convenient for us. Right. And then, but those same loopholes, we'll use it to judge someone else for it. Yep. Like. Smoking two packs of cigarettes a day is something I saw like a lot of Arabs guys do growing up. Right. I'm like, I think the same guy that doesn't want you to drink alcohol probably doesn't want you to smoke all the chemicals in those cigarettes either. Right. So again, like you're saying, like it's legal, like you can do it, but is it is it healthy? Is it beneficial? Yeah. Because if we're gonna talk about health, I feel like, especially going back to the 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 fitness bit business, is that if you do believe in God and you do believe that he's bestowed upon you this body and whatnot, isn't it not, I mean, isn't it anti your faith, anti the religion for you to not take care of the body that God gave? Right. Right. So being fit is not even just for the health component of it, but it's also serving God in a way, because how are you going to take care of your family? How are you going to grow old gracefully? Right. And and be able to work and everything if you're unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it says that first Corinthians chapter 16 about the body being a temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't be a temple of the Holy Spirit and have all of the junk inside of the spirit or inside the temple. Mm -hmm. You know, there's only enough room for one spirit to dwell in. It's either you're going to have God, the Holy Spirit within you, or you're going to have these other spiritual things attached to it. Because believe it or not, we're a slave in this life. We're a slave to our addictions. We're a slave to whatever, um, you know, if it's smoking or drinking or anything like that, we're a slave to that job, demons. Exactly. Or we're a slave to God. Mm-hmm. So what's it going to be? And if you feel like, you know, you're a slave to God, you serve, you serve him, then you're going to want to do exactly what he's created you for. You're going to want to be the best representation of that. You want to be the temple. So 
I don't want my temple having garbage in it or graffiti in it. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, man, that was perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, was the, what was the Bible quote again? Oh, the it was the the first Corinthians. Oh, Temple of the Holy Spirit. Temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Yeah. And you'll see on my trailer when we go out there and look at it later. Um, that's one of the verses we have up on the top. Oh, okay. Shoot. All right. Let's do that. Then. Let's take a yeah. look.